Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to the Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Hi, it's Joanna Oki here, and welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we have the second part of our two-part series, all about financial modelling for business insight and decision-making. Now, if you missed part one, then I recommend you go back and listen to part one first, because part one talked about some interesting concepts that are useful for you to get your head around and some basic level understanding of the elements of financial modelling and analytics that really paved the way for this part two, which is today, of course, where we're investigating further this concept of financial modelling and its application practically to M&A transactions, to planning those transactions out, and also to aligning various stakeholders uh, across the transaction team. So we talk about how to use visualisation tools for people who perhaps aren't as excited by spreadsheets and data (laughs) as as others may be. And we also look at some interesting areas about how this can apply to some perhaps lesser thought of areas and applications. We also look at perhaps some opportunities for not just accountants, but also professionals sitting in the valuation market in this industry. So it's a really interesting episode, um, even if I do say so myself, and we traverse a lot of topics all across this area of financial modelling. So buckle in and here we go. Hi, Lance and Mark. Welcome back uh, to the Deal Room podcast for this part two of our fabulous uh, two-part series in financial modelling for business insight and decision-making. Very excited to have you both here so we can um, wrap up this interesting discussion. Thank you. Lovely to be here. Thanks, Joanna. Thanks. Great to be back. Great. Okay. So in part one, obviously, we talked um, in a lot of detail about what financial modelling is um, and uh, some of the differences between um, analytics, machine learning and modelling. Now, I really just want to get practical. How are we really utilising this in the M&A space? Um, So so maybe we'll start with you, Mark. Um, As a um, non-accountant, and you work with Lance um, in BGC, uh, consultants, how do you see financial modelling playing out um, and, and, and what are the real opportunities, I guess? It's, uh, yeah, look, that's a, it's, a, it's a really interesting area and the thing that um, has struck me the most and is the most valuable uh, aspect of it is the visualisations. You know, I've been, uh, you know, working in large organisations for many years and we all know death by spreadsheet. <laughs> and we, uh, going into a conference room where somebody who is deeply passionate about their table of numbers will project that up on the wall and they might tweak some things and the numbers dance and to somebody whose brain is wired that way and mine's not one of them, um, it's, it's very enlightening. But to we mere mortals, it's just dancing numbers on the screen. And so the, the thing that I guess I have taken the most away from what, what Lance has brought to the table has been this ability to visualise. 
because um, and visualize and interact. So we've we've built things which you know can suck in a very very dry set of numbers, then present what is essentially a you know what looks like a standard set of charts, but then be able to play what if and pull and drag and change things and see what the change of those assumptions means immediately. Mm. Uh, and one of the challenges I think quite often coming into complex situations uh, in any sort of you know, complex business transaction, which uh, you know, a merger and acquisition intrinsically is, is that being able to express to non-accounting people outcomes that are not necessarily the most intuitive but are actually where they want to go mm. so that they can see it. It's not a raw table of numbers. It's something meaningful to them. And if someone to them says, well, yeah, but hang on, but what if that assumption is not quite right? What if we, we, we didn't quite get that or we did a little bit better or we did a little bit worse? Okay, let's see and be able to change that in life because um, I think the decision-making process that I've quite often been through has been consultants come, they do their analysis, they present their findings, everyone else asks them a bunch of questions, they go, oh, okay, they're interesting questions. We'll go away, we'll recut all the numbers, we'll come back and we'll present again. Mm. You might go through multiple cycles of that before you have the aha moment. Also, potentially, you're having an aha moment where no one can really remember what was in meeting one. So mm. that, for me, is the most powerful thing, is the ability to take this very complex information, present it to people and interact with it um, because the circumstances, which for me personally in my career where I would have been uh, well, someone could have done that for me, I would have been incredibly grateful because it would have been a great mercy. Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. And so and so, what's examples of the sorts of ways that you have come in for, that you, you can see the best potential application um, or, or some of the lowest hanging fruit, uh, I guess, um, in terms of using this? Um, for me, it seems to be you're taking financial modelling and you're turning it into something that's just more accessible um, mm. and 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 uh, and uh, able to deal with live changes. Uh, from, from my point of view, and, you know, Lance is going to have a, a war chest of examples as well, but um, <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I should, I'll cede the mic to him fairly shortly because I'm sure he'll come up with more than me. But uh, from, from my point of view, the, the most important thing and the places where we're seeing uh, the draw, where people are kind of looking at this and going, well, this has got... Uh, real value for me, and I'll put it in in the M and A context, where you know somebody has constructed some sort of a you know a model of that. This is what we believe the transaction is going to do, and they'll have put a set of assumptions, and they've probably buried that somewhere deeply uh, in a spreadsheet. And so, probably one of the most powerful applications uh, that I see for that kind of for the kind of technology we're talking about in that space is to bring all of that up out of the spreadsheet. And in the context of a presentation to executives, say, here's the assumptions that we're making going into this. Here's the numbers that we think this is all going to create. Um, and if we want to sort of start playing what if with what happens if our assumptions aren't borne out, what does that mean to the end result? Um, that, that's sort of, I guess, probably one of the most powerful applications um, that I can envisage and, and, and see for this sort of technology. But I'd, I'd probably, you know, invite Lance to throw in a 
few of the ones that, that he's seen because he's certainly been in the trenches in this space longer than I. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Um, I think I think what you referred to there is the financial literacy uh, and the transparency. So I think that's yeah. that's definitely part of it. But um, you know, you can still get that with Excel. You can still print out stuff and show people stuff. But I think um, where I see the, the the best application is in the collaboration and and the conversation and inviting people in. So I think. Um, you know, with you know, in M and A transactions, you have multiple stakeholders. You have multiple mm. heads of different divisions, mm. some of which may or may not be privy to certain information. Um, and 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 really, you want to, you know, M and A is hard. Uh, M mm. and A is really tough. It, it's sort of really changing and shaking the world of that corporate. You know, it has a big impact on people, and 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 so people are going to get really feel threatened about it. Um, and so to come along with this really complex spreadsheet and sort of ask people to have a look at it is even more daunting. So I think, you know, one of the big benefits that I see is actually, um, um, you know, appealing to the parts of our brain that are a bit more happy, the visual. It sort of brings them in. It sort of invites them in. You think about it, you go to Bali, you come to this wonderful resort and, you know, we, we might put some nice stuff in your drink, but, you know, ultimately, you know, you can sit and relax on the, on the beach and, <laughs> Um, you know, and sort of feed you slowly down the down down the path towards the beach, but along the way you sort of you know suddenly you realise you you know you're somewhere back in Kuda somewhere and you know where you wanted to be. But the fundamental thing is that you invite people and and that you bring them on the journey in a way that 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 just you know you know doesn't happen often in M and A. Um, it's sort of death by spreadsheet. Uh, investment banks uh, and lawyers and everyone flying everywhere mm. and and people not really to Mark's point like from where you start to where you end up is such a different place right there's not one M and A transaction that I was ever involved in that where you started out and where you thought you'd end up is actually where you ended up it, mm. it often ends up way way different to what you you know, you know in some cases it's it's slight tweaks but quite often it's actually a a big change. Um, so, and why? Because stuff gets revealed as you go through that process that you didn't know about. And so, you know, there's a lot of trust that that, that, that needs to be placed with people. So, I think you know the ability to bring people in, talk about it. Um, you know, M and A is all about how do we extract value. Yeah. How do we get value from merging these two companies? What are the yeah. assumptions going in? What are the synergistic benefits? What's the EBITDA multiple? What's the discount rate? What's the value? What's the PE? You know, ultimately, what's the WAC? You know, you can do all sorts of things um, with this beautiful piece of software called Excel, um, but you know, it's not the prettiest thing to look at. So, how do we do all the funky stuff in Excel? Get all the experts to build really cool models that are really complex, but actually bring people on the journey. That sort of puts that, you know, in the in, in the side pocket that people don't really need to look at it. They really get engaged with actually what's the story? How's this going to impact me? Mm. You know, you can really draw people in. We we've built um, um, models for social issues and, and, and worked with government around um, you know transactions with philanthropic, but ultimately mergers. You know, where you where you actually bringing two companies together, two cultures together. Um, is hugely volatile and and you know quite often you don't even have the time. So on a more technical side, what what this does is, um, you know, quite often you'll have you know two or three scenarios. And people say, oh yeah, low you know low case, a base case, low and high. Mm. Right? How many scenarios do we have in our lives? Mm. In reality, how how many different ways can things pan out? 
thousands, not one, thousands. So how do you visualize thousands of outcomes and thousands of scenarios? And, 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 and we're able to do that visually. So imagine you see a full distribution curve, a bell curve of all the different scenarios play out. And so you, know, you can really arm people that feel empowered. And I mm. think that's the key thing is they, they feel drawn into the process and empowered. And I think you can get a better M&A deal in the end. And so, and so what size sort of business or transaction can this start from? Because as you're talking, um, you, you know, I, I hear the complexity in, uh, because I mean, it's not just about handing over the keys to a modeler to come in and, um, and throw everything together for you. You have to get data from somewhere. So there's all sorts of, you know, um, data points that will be required and there's all sorts of, um, I guess, intelligence that you as the modeler will require to, to build a proper model that can deal with, um, you know, different outcomes. <laughs> um, so, but where does this all start from? I, I guess what I'm trying to do here is work out what's the, you know, what business might think they're too small, but actually this is something that's achievable for them. Well, the reality is it's achievable for everyone. And, and I say that not flippantly because um, everyone knows how to use Excel. Everyone knows how to communicate. Everyone understands their business all the way from an, from the small SME. An SME owner really understands how he makes money. He might not know how his accounting works and he might, his, his accountant will tell him how much tax he's paying, but probably nothing more than that. So I think that there's an ability for even at the small end of town for small businesses to understand this. The way we approach it as a, as a financial modeling um, consultancy in, in sort of helping BGC as well along that path is discussion. We actually don't even talk about a model. We actually ask the question, what is your problem today? Where do you want to get to? And so we, we, we really need to connect with people and understand what are their motivators, what are their drivers, wh wh where do they see the future going, first and foremost. So you want to merge these two companies. Why do you want to do that? What, what's the key outcome? What are the key things you want to drive? And off the back of that, you can actually construct a story. So, you know, we often build these visualizations aligned to that story um, mm. of what they want to achieve. So not only do we talk about the constructs of the engine and the engine design and the decisions and the data points and everything else, but I think that's, that's very mechanical and, and that's, that's really half the story. Yeah, it's a very important half, but it's only half the story. And reality is people don't see that. People want to actually understand the other big half, which is, you know, where are you taking me? Where am I going to go? And, um, you know, through, 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 through BGC Consulting, we're actually looking at this across um, the small practices of accountants as well as all the way up to, you know, larger organizations to really help them make better decisions because really everyone's ch challenged. The, the, the accounting firms, you know, the small to medium-sized practices are challenged with how do they add value to their customer relationships mm. It's not just in the M&A space. I think it can. But again, you need the right expertise. You need to understand the problem um, and not just flick a report uh, or, or flick a PowerPoint. And so how, how are you working with accountants in this area uh, then? Is it that you are training them in modelling or, or, um, or are there other ways? Uh, absolutely. So I think, you know, um, uh, BGC is, is um, in the process of facilitating some of that education and that technology for accountants in, in um, as a, 
I'm, I'm actually an approved trainer for the Financial Modeling Institute, which is a globally recognized financial modeling training institution. And so I train people who want to go down that path and actually build the model. So, so, so there's really options. Accountants can either say, you know what, I want to train one of my staff to be a gun modeler. Um, can you help? And we say, yes, sure, we can. But they might say, you know what, I don't want to waste time with this. I don't want to waste time building models. Can you build it for us? And, you know, we'll uncharge it. And we say, of course, yes. So, mm. you know, it really depends on the accountant and where they're at. Just like the accountant needs to think about how do they best service their client, we take that same view and how do we best help the accountant. The accountant may or may not want to learn financial modeling. And if they do, we certainly can facilitate and help that. Mm, okay. And I think the other thing we're doing as well, and this is this is something that's that's uh, you know a, a new direction or a new uh, string in our boat, is uh, you know we've started constructing uh, you know packages around this for particularly for at this stage for for you know uh, smaller accounting firms that don't have a lot of this skill and capability. So we can you know provide the tools and the software licenses, and then say here you've got this. Now we can take you on the journey of how to use these capabilities to add more value to your clients, um, in, you know, deepen your engagement with them, retention, greater share of wallet, provide them more services. But where it all comes back to, I guess, is sort of this central theme, it's about providing digestible insights um, because I think that's probably one of the places where everybody struggles with dealing with the, you know, the, the non-accountant types uh, like myself, you know, people who are business savvy. Yes, I've you know been in you know working in my own business and businesses for like the last thirty years, so I get all of that. But it's it's getting it up to that. Oh, I can see this now. I can see the assumptions you're making. I can see the consequences here. If I ask you questions about well, what happens if? And okay, show me show me if this we really went to hell. What would that mean? How much trouble would I be in if that yeah. piece really went to custard? Yeah. And so that's something uh, that, you know, we're passionate about, but also it's it, particularly for, you know, accountancy practices being able to take them on that journey so that they can broaden what they are for their customers. And so how complex is this for someone to get on top of um, if they're an accountant or, or perhaps not an accountant? You know, I can imagine there's many consultants in this space that also might be interested in um, in understanding in a deeper way some of these tools? Sure. So um, one of the interesting things is, is that the, the complexity exists in the model. Um, and so people's skills in terms of being able to build that for themselves will vary widely. And I think that's really to the point that Lance was saying is that, you know, we... We encounter people who go, yeah, I've got this really, really interesting thing and it's complex and whatever and it's kind of cool, but nobody can understand it. And so the process of layering the visualisations on top of that is surprisingly simple. Um, you know, where people need the deeper support really is in, in constructing the model because that's the heavy lifting. Um, the visualisation component of it is incredibly important and very elegant. There's, there's, there's skill that goes into that, but it's it's not the most expensive part of the process. Mm. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say um, uh, it's a good point, Mark. Um, you know, what we're going down, Joanne, is we're actually venturing into areas of skills that we don't have. So suddenly, um, 
um, uh, as a, even as a financial modeler, we've had to learn um, design and artistic design and creativity and colors and, 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 and stories. And, and, and how do you, you know, again, going back to the analogy I was using where you come into this Bali resort, sorry, I've got Bali on the brain. I just came back from it. So you know, you're <laughs> I was wondering where old Bali was coming from. <laughs> um, so, so, so you walk into this beautiful resort and you just see this great, you know, like it, it really draws you in and you feel like just immediately chilled. You know, immediately you just sort of, wow, this is incredible. And that's what you want. You want that emotional connectivity. So therefore you need to know how to build a really pretty picture. And that's not something that that even as financial modelers, well, we've had to learn that as well. So um, the key thing is really understanding that. But Mark's spot on. I mean, you know, it can be reasonably complex to build the engine. Um, you know, I can't build an engine of a car, but I can build a, a, an Excel model. But, you know, it's up to the accountant whether they actually want to learn how to do that or are they better to actually leverage their knowledge of accounting to have better conversations. Yeah. And sort of educate them to not really change the world of um, you know what they do, but really help facilitate them to have better relationships. And I think that's where there's an opportunity. It's not saying, well, hang on, now you need to learn how to build a model. Um, but I think it's important that you do know how to communicate and yeah. understand the value of modeling as opposed to how to do it. Mm. And I, I actually, you know, as we've been talking, I just sort of feel maybe there's an opportunity as well for uh, the pocket of uh, the market of this industry that does uh, a lot of work in valuations, uh, because I, I guess valuations at the moment are quite, uh, um, you know, you come out with a piece of paper and that's it you've got a valuation at best maybe you have a range but but you know the the extra component I guess maybe that is the opportunity in this industry is adding in the but what ifs um to the end of um of that so where we have a valuation then being able to now add on a whole new um, area of skill set, I guess, or, or opportunity val to value add, to add the what if type scenarios. Um, yeah, absolutely. We, I mean, we've built a lot of um, models which, off the back of, and we're not approved valuers, and we don't go out and do market research on what you know uh, industry or, or or comparative benchmarks and multiples and all that. But but yeah, we we we, we certainly have built models with valuation metrics in it, and then you know the valuation expert. Would go out and do the research around, you know, how realistic are those multiples and the different ranges, and and so and so. It's really, you know, a really interesting space to be in because it can add a lot of value. Again, back into the education, rather than saying, "Oh, my company is valued between one and one and a half million dollars," well, actually, you know, it might be worth three, yeah, X, Y, and Z, or it yeah. might be worth half a mil if you did something else. And so, I think the ability to sort of um, add significantly more value on anyone who's sort of playing with a bunch of numbers in a spreadsheet is really where, where it becomes really powerful and, and exciting for us. Yeah, I think it's an absolutely brilliant point. Um, and, and I guess, you know, just as we're rounding out, I think we'd had some discussion in the past about the application of this area right now to um, to 
succession planning issues that uh, can occur in family businesses, family-run businesses. Um, I mean, any business, but this is just a topic that came up at one point when we were talking. Maybe if you guys could talk uh, to that a little bit and how you're using financial modelling in that space, because that's not really an obvious application, I wouldn't have thought. So, it, it's, um, it, it's interesting maybe just to hear a little bit about what you're doing in, in that space. Sure. So um, I guess I, I might kick off in terms of, you know, I guess some of the, the the exemplar situations that we're sort of being asked to consider finding solutions for. Um, so probably one of the most classic ones is, uh, you know, a, a family enterprise, long-standing core business, but has accreted complexity. But at some point, there is going to be a transition, uh, most likely generational. Um, but what you've now got is you started with, say, a small family group or, or of partners. Now you've got a very large group of stakeholders, and those stakeholders are never going to have all of the same objectives. So how do you understand what is this collection of entities and, and investments and how do they all interrelate to one another? And probably the thing we're finding the most interesting and the most value is to be able to play back to that group, well, what are the consequences of various strategies and decisions you could make? Mm. The simple way is, okay, let's run a ruler over it all, sell some of it, cash out for some parties, some sort of continuing enterprise for others. But that may not necessarily be the best value proposition for that group of people. Um, Maybe a different value proposition would be to say, well, this thing's worth more as as a consortia okay, what, what do each one of the individuals want to get out of it and how maybe you may, may be able to manifest that over time, continuing to operate and grow the consortia? And there's a lot of moving parts in that. And so that's obviously a much more complex uh, modelling exercise, but th- I think that's one of the most powerful values because we always, we always end up sort of coming back to the central theme. It's about conveying the understanding so people can see the consequences of the choices that are before them and do it in a way that everybody can agree that they're valid. Yeah, yeah, love it. Harmon, is there anything else that you wanted to add there, Lance, before we uh, wrap up this fabulous uh, part two of our two-part series? No, other than uh, we'd love to hear um, what what people's challenges are in in this space. Mm. Um, I think uh, financial modelling hasn't evolved a lot outside of just Excel. You've been in M&A for quite some time, I assume, Joanna, and, mm, and, and mm. so many people. And, and I think, uh, you know, the uh, as I said before, I love Excel, I love spreadsheets, but uh, in the end, um, you know, it hasn't really evolved much. And mm. and, and and it's time we evolve as as humans. We're, we're evolving in many way in many areas. And and so I'd love to hear what people's challenges are. I mean, just a, just a little quick fact bite, um, just to throw out there: ninety percent of spreadsheets have errors. And 90% of people think that their spreadsheets are error-free. That's why in every single M&A transaction, including the ones that I've worked on, get an audit of the model. Mm. Every single M&A transaction will have a model audit. And the model audit is independent of the modeler um, because we as humans make mistakes. So I think um, and that's just one challenge. I mean, ultimately, purely by visualizing things and changing things, straight away you can see, well, hang on, that didn't make sense. Why did revenue go down and profit go up? Mm. You know, 
what's happening there. So, you know, you can sort of see visualization doing a number of different things. And, you know, these, these challenges are, you know, you just Google spreadsheet errors and people will say, oh, you know, you've got to get rid of the spreadsheet. You've got to kill Excel and Excel is dead and all this sort of hype. But the reality is in M&A, Excel is the tool of choice because every single M&A transaction is not only different, but it's different from when you start to when you end the transaction. Yeah. That, you know, that the, 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 the sandbox tool or the Swiss army of business tools, as they, as they call it, Excel is not going away. It's not going to die. So let's use better ways to find better ways to, to use it and integrate it into better decisions for M&A and business owners. Brilliant. Absolutely love it, guys. Well, look, thank you so much for both coming on the Deal Room podcast. Um, how do our listeners find both of you if um, if they would like to get some assistance with uh, their their financial modelling in their M&A transactions? So um, I, I could be found on LinkedIn um, and uh, or email lance.rubin, R-U-B-I-N, at bgc-consultants.com. That's bgc consultants.com or LinkedIn or even on the website. Yep, and all the ways to find me are, uh, are, are on the BGC website as well. Brilliant. Okay, wonderful. And of course, as always, we will be linking through to both Mark and Lance um, via our show notes and uh, their company website. So if you didn't catch up because you're running along the beach or on your commute into work, have no fear. All you have to do is click into the show notes and it will all be there for you. Well, I just want to say a massive thank you to both of you for coming on to the show. Um, I think it's been fabulous. Not everyone would agree that um, numbers are always the most interesting topic, but I think we have made it so today. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, Joanne, and thanks for being a great host. Yeah, oh, my you. absolute pleasure. Thanks, guys. So that's it for this second part of our two-part series, Financial Modelling for Business Insight and Decision Making with the fabulous Mark Vigers and Lance Rubin. So, of course, in this episode, we really uh, traversed a lot of topics um, and I think a lot of opportunities that are out there, not just for um, owners and management teams of businesses that are engaged in M&A activity, but also for accountants and um, for people involved uh, in valuation activity for, um, for businesses who are gearing up for a transaction. So, if you would like more information about this topic, all you need to do is just head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com. There you'll be able to get a links straight through to Mark and Lance if you would like to talk to them a bit more about some of these opportunities that we've talked about today in financial modelling. At that website, you'll also be able to find details of how to contact our lawyers at Aspect Legal if you or your clients would like to discuss any legal aspects of sales or acquisitions. We've got a number of great services that help businesses prepare for a sale or acquisition, um, but also to assist and guide them through the sale and acquisition process once it's on foot. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. So don't hesitate to book an appointment if you want to find out how we can assist. And finally, if you enjoyed what you heard today, then we'd be really grateful if you'd pop over to your favourite podcast player and leave us a review. 
Well, that's it. Thanks again for listening into this two-part series. Once again, if you've missed part one, then just make sure you head over to part one to um, get the other side of the story in this interesting discussion about financial modelling. Well, you've been listening to Joanna Oki and the Deal Room podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Aspect Legal has a number of great services that help businesses prepare for a sale or acquisition to help them prepare in advance and to get transaction ready. We've also got a range of services to help guide businesses through the sale and acquisitions process. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. We provide a free consultation to discuss your proposed sale or acquisition. So see our show notes on how to book a time to speak with us or head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to The Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au. 